your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 467 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains in Pilsy. Sen's practice looked a little more normal yesterday with three players coming off COVID protocol. Yeah, that's a refreshing look to see the practice lines look a little bit better. Unfortunately, Ross, those practice lines are not gearing up for a game today up against the Seattle Kraken. However, they are gearing up for a long road trip throughout Western Canada, and they will be playing. They will be playing on Saturday against the Canucks. Are you guaranteeing that? I'm not guaranteeing that. That's why you put, <laughs> you saw the double fingers crossed uh, as I said it. <laughs> so we are preparing as though the yes. Senators are in Vancouver on Saturday. But today we're going to take a little bit more of a long-term approach. What could the Senators look like at the start of next season? Tons of expiring contracts. Could they move some at the trade deadline? I'll ask Pilsy who could be on the chopping block and who he would like to see Resigned. We also had a couple of great listener questions come in regarding the deadline. And would the Sens look to add, even in the position they're in? We'll get into that. And Tyler Boucher's 67th debut is postponed, a word we know far too well on this show. We'll get into all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, January 6th. Pelzi, we're recording before practice, but yesterday at practice, we saw the return of Nick Paul, Tyler Ennis, and of course, Josh Norris. Great to see the number one center back in the lineup. And that hopefully is a sign of things to come because there's still a few more guys out on the sidelines. Yeah, definitely it's a good sign to see Norris back, uh, see Paul back, all these guys. And uh, they talked to the media about their experience with COVID and getting to come back with the boys. So love seeing that. Uh, Still a couple guys missing from those practice lines, but DJ Smith does anticipate all the players will be off the COVID list for Saturday's game, except maybe Zach Sanford might need another day or two. So most notably, of course, it's Thomas Shabbat, Thomas Shabbat yeah. still on COVID protocol. Jacob Bernard Docker, Dylan Hetherington. I believe Anton Forsberg's return date is today, uh, which would make sense. You want all these guys off sooner rather than later so they can all take the same plane out to BC rather than have yeah. to get other guys out there by themselves. Chris Tierney uh, and Zach Sanford, as you mentioned, the other names who are still on COVID protocol. But when you look at the decor, clearly – the Senators are under the impression they're going to get more guys back because they reassigned Gainette and Lassie Thompson back to Belleville. Were you surprised to see that move before the NHL bodies were back? A little bit, but uh, we had seen Josh Brown have been practicing for a while, and now with oh. more more days off, yeah, with more days off, he's probably ready to go in a third-pair role here. So it looks like we're going to see Mete and Brown as our third pair here. Right, because Mete missed the last couple of practices just with some bumps and bruises, yeah. but he's back 
in the mix now. So, hey, that's still a good week of practices for those young guys, especially Gannett, who hasn't been up with the yeah. team much at all. So you get some good high pace, see what the competition level is like at that next level. So good to see him get a little sniff of NHL experience. And then Logan Shaw in another corresponding move at- assigned to the team's taxi squad. I don't know who else on the taxi squad. I can't keep track of that. Probably Bishop, eh? Oh, no, Bishop's in the lineup right now. And great that you mentioned it because Clark Bishop has moved over to center. Yeah, so so I guess then Sabrin would be another guy on the taxi squad then. Playoff pushes on, though, Pilsy. Clark Bishop at center, that's what the team's been stressing. Well, yeah, now now we're fine. Like We're good to go. (laughs) Clark Bishop's in an interesting spot. One of the same situations that a lot of guys are finding themselves in on expiring contract so i think we should get into that right away because again we don't know too much from sense practice of course they're on the ice in about an hour and a half from when we're recording um on friday we're going to make sure we're recording uh just at practice so we can get you into the weekend on some up-to-date news full disclosure started a couple new jobs this week so we've been recording bright and early stick taps to pilsy for getting up extra early so we can get this early out to you guys. all good and it's great to see the downloads uh, continue to stay Steady, considering yep. the team has not played a game in, well, are we counting the Leafs game? I guess we kind of have to. They have not scored a goal yeah. in what will be three weeks by Saturday. Uh, trivia, Pilsy, your favorite. Oh. Who scored the last goal for the Ottawa Senators? Oh, man. Um... Wow. I actually... I don't know. Yeah. Artem Zub. I never would have. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, that's how long it's been. That's how long it's been. Jeez. Yep. Exactly. It was in the third period against the Philadelphia Flyers that brought that game tied at three. Or sorry, it gave Ottawa the lead three two, and then Joel Faraby tied it less than a minute later. Those pesky momentum goals that we always mm-hmm. discuss, and then Travis Sanheim, of course, won that game for them in overtime okay but now back to the long-term approach here because i think the first question on a lot of sense fans minds is will they utilize the buyouts this offseason you're allowed to and there's three candidates really when you when you put your head to it because nikita zaitsev has two years left after this one at 4.5 million dollars he's also due a two million dollar signing bonus yes which we know will play a role in how they view him going forward. You have Colin White, who has three years left after this one at $4.75 million. And then Matt Murray, two years left at 6.25. How many or all, well, sorry, which two or less would you like to see bought out this offseason? Well, and I hate saying this, but it just makes too much sense to buy out Colin White. I don't think he's going to get to a level where he's, matching what that contract is worth even over the span of a couple more years like you talked about I don't think he's going to hit that level and it's tough to see because Colin White was kind of like the the first new wave of prospect reinforcements right like he was that first guy he was the first guy to commit long term from that new wave so he's the only guy who watched the 2017 playoff run he got into one game played like two minutes but hey he's the, the last man standing from that playoff run Exactly. Yeah. So like it sucks to see that kind of uh, chapter being turned, but 
they they get an advantage if they buy him out early due to his age and the way uh, that all goes. Now, Ross, I have a question too, and maybe I'm not sure if you know this, but for the Nikita buyout, uh, Nikita Saitsev buyout, how does signing bonuses play into buyouts? I am not sure, because that's very friends, interesting. Yeah, our good friends at Cap Friendly have a buyout calculator. So I'm going there right now. I'm searching in Nikita Zaitsev and a bio for him. Stick taps to cap friendly. Look how quick that happened. Definitely it would, stick taps. It, it would save them $1.6 million next year, 1.6 the year after. And then um, they would be charged 833000 the next two years. So it would cost them four years rather than have two years left in the contract, the cap hit would be 2.8, 2.8, 833,000, 833,000. But does it specify how the the bonus is worked out or? No. No. Hmm. Yeah, because no. that, that's he has a $2 million. He has a $2 million bonus this year and next year for what it's worth. Whew. Yeah, the Senators will not be pleased with that. That's for sure. But also at the same time, I don't have Nikita Zaitsev as a, as a buyout for me personally because I still think they need some veteran uh, d- defense on that right side. And we'll, we'll get to it, but I, I think Zub is better utilized to be partnered with someone else rather than Shabbat. So I think it's kind of important that they keep Zaitsev. And, like, sure, Zaitsev is overpaid, but I don't think he's he's a real anchor on this team. And there's not that many years left on his contract. A lot so. of people do, though. A lot of people see the puck go on his stick and know that a grenade's about to go off. Yeah, and that's fair. Like I like definitely there there are ups and downs with Nikita Zaitsev, that's for sure. But for me, there's there's bigger fish to fry, I'll say that. And I think Colin White just makes too much sense to do. And it and like we talk about the center depth a lot, but the way that I shaped up the center depth for next season, I'm actually okay with it. Like how it uh how it all lines up. I think it's much more crucial to go out and find a top six winger. So I don't think, and Colin White, like we talked about in la- last episode, I don't think he moves the needle too much, whether he's playing center or right wing. Like, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. So, unfortunately, that's that's the candidate I have. And then with Matt Murray, like, if you decide to buy out Colin White, you're still paying Bobby Ryan. You're still paying the retained salary for Dion Phaneuf. Then you add, you add on Colin White's, and then you add on Matt Murray's buyout. Like, that would be, an, like, over $5 million easily over 5 million in just dead money, which is crazy. So for me, I think you just ride with Matt Murray and keep him to kind of insulate Gustafson as Gustafson uh, moves on here. I don't think that's a, that's a great move. And even I'm starting to lose faith that Matt Murray can bounce back and become a decent goalie, not even what he was signed up to be like just a decent backup. I'm not sure if that'll happen, but the dollar amounts on Matt Murray's buyout would be pretty big. Too much. Yeah, I agree with that. You just kind of have to hope. And it's not like the Sens are up against the cap. So That's it sucks yeah. when it comes to what you're going to look at in the crease. And if you do have to go out and get a guy who can really carry the mail and pay that, then you're looking at spending a lot of money between the pipes. But beyond that, it's not like it's going to affect a, a normal team, a team that can spend to the cap from going out and acquiring talent. Now, with Colin White, how's this for a stat, Pillsy? Final year of his entry-level contract, 41 points in 71 games, of course, playing with Kachuk and Mark Stone. Since then, 106 games, so 35 more games, the exact same amount of points. 
the exact same 41 points in the two yeah. years since signing his contract. And yes, injuries certainly played a role, Definitely. but you got to call a spade a spade at some point. And wouldn't that extra money, not that you're going to sign him for that same contract, but wouldn't that money look a bit better used on Josh Norris's next new contract that we're going to probably get into often going forward. Yes. We've already discussed it quite a bit because he is a big fish to fry the number one goal scorer on this team. And frankly, there's a wide margin behind him. Maybe you can say Brady's right there, but uh, beyond that, you, you need to have Josh Norris as a part of this core future going forward. And I'm sure Pierre Dorian knows that more than anyone, but eh, I'm sure Newport sports knows that as well. Yeah. So there's going to be lots of interest in terms of what the senators do in offloading this upcoming off season. And before that, because the NHL trade deadline is fast approaching. Can you believe it? March 21st feels like so far away, but at the same time, man, we're, we're in January now. So you're looking at le- about two months until the NHL trade deadline. So who could be out and who could stay? We'll touch on that in a moment. But Pilsy, do you have a word from one of our favorite sponsors? Yeah, it's betonline.ag, guys. And yes, the Ottawa Senators still are not playing hockey. So I have been on the sidelines, probably similar to you guys. But hockey is in full swing. The NFL is gearing up towards an exciting playoffs. There's the basketball is still going. So there's lots of sports to get in on the action. So if you're a sports fan, not just a Sens fan, head to betonline.ag, get off the sidelines and get into the action. And since betonline.ag is a partner of the Locked On Podcast Network, we've got a promo code to hook you guys up with. Make your account today for free at betonline.ag and use our promo code Locked On. That's going to get you a 50% welcome bonus. So you put 100 bucks in, you get 50 bucks in free play money, and you can use that to on parlays, over-unders, Getting reverse puck lines, which is something I might get back into, Ross. That was uh, doing good for me last year. Puck lines, money lines, props. There's so much you can get into at betonline.ag. They're the online sportsbook experts. So check them out today, guys. Betonline.ag, promo code locked on for 50% welcome bonus. It's your online sportsbook experts at betonline.ag. All right, Pilsy. So the Ottawa Senators, they're in flux and their roster has been for much of this season. The young up and coming talent certainly has made an impact and it's great to see other guys step up. Alex Formanton in the last month has been a very solid contributor, but going forward, should he be a top six forward? When we look into our future, what do you see? Not only for Alex Formanton, but for all the expiring contracts and actually Let's start with those expiring contracts. So these are the players for the Ottawa Senators who aren't signed for next season. Chris Tierney. Or should we go through them one by one and you say cut or keep? Let's do them one by one. Chris Tierney, who made 3.5 against the cap, 4.1 in real salary this past season. He, he's a cut candidate for me. I think that's not much of a surprise. I think he's going to be a guy that gets traded at the deadline. And I think he's going to perform well as a bottom six guy on a contending team that's trying to make a push to a Stanley Cup playoff race. So I think Chris Tierney and maybe the contract's a little hefty for what he provides. But if you're a team looking at him as a rental option, you can probably find a way to squeeze that in. And I think the Sens could get an okay return for him. And the center depth, he's a guy you can you can let go of because he's not a part of this team's long-term future. Would you settle for a third-round pick in return? 
Yeah, definitely. I don't think you could really command much more than that, honestly. So yeah, I, I think I'd settle for that or some sort of package of uh, magic green prospects. You know what I mean? Just uh, <laughs> guys that have some potential, but haven't figured it out. And maybe you can find some, uh, some luck there. Tyler Ennis, who was on a PTO and earned himself a one-year $900,000 contract. Tyler Ennis is interesting because I, I actually wouldn't mind uh, keeping him, but I'm, I'm wondering, like, how much of a return do you think he could get at the deadline? Like, a guy that signed a PTO and is, is kind of not a huge part of this team, has even been healthy scratched a couple times. Like, I don't think uh, teams will be too crazy to go and try to pick him up. So, I honestly, Ross, I see a situation where Ennis just plays out the year with the Sens and then goes to free agency. I wouldn't be that shocked if that's the case. Yeah, what was shocking to me was the last year he was in Ottawa, 2019-2020. He had 33 points in 61 games. Like, he was producing offensively and only commanded a fifth-round pick. I thought they could at least get a fourth, if not, you know, maybe a fourth and a fifth. But that just shows the lack of value around the league. And that's what happens when, since 2016, so in the last five years, he's played for Buffalo, Minnesota, Toronto, Edmonton, Ottawa, Edmonton, and Ottawa. So that's uh, that's quite a bit of jumping around. I guess Edmonton was back-to-back because he was traded at the deadline and then ultimately started. But Ottawa he came back in a separate transaction. So lots of moving around for Tyler Ennis. I, I don't disagree with you, though. I don't think there's any point in chipping him off for a sixth-round pick. Like The Senators no. already have three-sevenths coming up in, in the next draft. So Well, no, just two now, I think, since they oh, traded right. Gam- Dylan Gambrell. Gambrell. Yeah, so, yes. so hey, we got we to gotta pile up on those seventh-round picks, Ross. We got to get that back. We'll get to the RFAs afterwards, but to stick with UFAs, Zach Sanford acquired for Logan Brown at the start of this season. He was on a one-year, $2 million contract with Ottawa. Yeah, this is another guy who I think he would be a good uh, trade candidate at the deadline. I think he he's he knows what it takes to go to a Stanley Cup and win it. He won it with uh, St. Louis Blues, and he was a big part of that turnaround, too. He was one of the guys who – he was the guy, sorry, that fought Robert Bertuzzo in practice, and that changed everything. So, And I think he's someone that – you know, he, he doesn't have like one defined skill, but he has a good all round game. He can move up and down the lineup. He only has five goals this year, but remember Three that. Three of them hat- in one. Three the, the of them in one game, game, though. That's the thing. Like he, <laughs> he can pop off here. I, and this uh, I know surprises you and might surprise other people, but I actually have the sense keeping him because I think if he can get on a good third line next year, and I think that third line is going to be much improved, at least the way I have it forecasted, I think he can be a valuable player because he's able to move up and down the lineup. And he's, he's such like a, a decent all round player. You, you can rely on him. So I wouldn't mind seeing Zach Sanford brought back again, especially I don't think his contract's going to demand too much if he was brought back. For me, I mean, even on the contract he's on now, $2 million per season, Like, I'd, I'd just walk from that. I think that there's too many nights where he's just not really doing a whole lot. And I think yeah. you can get a replacement-level player who comes up and, and can do the same job at, at a much better value. You can throw him on your fourth line, that sort of thing. So uh, he's just not, not my type of player, I guess. I'd like a little more pu- punch from him because – He's a big kid, and he should be able to get in a little harder, I'd say, on the forecheck. But you're right. There is skill there for sure. We saw that in the game. And he's a veteran guy, right? Like, I don't want the Sens just to plug all these holes with prospects. So, I, I, I like, I'm not too worried either way. Like, if they went and traded him for a fourth, whatever. If they kept him and signed him to a short-term deal, cool. Like, it's not, uh, it's not too big of a deal here. But I think 
there is something to say to keep some uh, continuity on this team and to try to have at least some, and I mean, he's hardly even a veteran. He's still in his 20s. So it's it's important to have some guys that understand the NHL pro life. Well, how about moving on then to the longest serving member of the organization since he was acquired in the summer of 2014, and that's Nick Paul, who made $1.35 million this past season. Certainly disappointing results versus what he put up last year this one to me is the most fascinating yeah this is one that I've kind of wrestled back and forth with Ross because when we talked about it earlier you had asked if I would be interested in trading him for a first round pick well now nah, I don't think <laughs> that's uh that's even a possibility but I wow. hummed and hawed at it just because like at the time at the start of the season Nick Paul was such a valuable asset or at least it seemed like it right Nick Paul does it all and he really was but he can't do it all for long periods of time it seems like and Again, we have to put a disclaimer and asterisk that he was put in some pretty unfair positions and he was not utilized in the way that he should have been utilized. So definitely we're willing to give him some slack there. I just think he's someone, again, he's such a good example of of proper development, of a guy that worked hard to get to where he is. DJ he, played, he played two years for the Binghamton Senators. Yeah, exactly, which is wild when you think about oh. it. And I think DJ Smith really likes him. And he's a guy, too, that you can move up and down the lineup in a short-term role and you can be comfortable with. Um, so I would like the Sens to keep him, actually. I don't think they should trade him, even though I think he he could fetch a good price at a deadline to a contender as well. I just think that's another guy that, I, in the locker room too, I think the guys like him. So I, I would keep Nick Paul personally. What kind of contract do you think he could command? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It'd probably be right around the $2 million mark. Like, not more than $2.5 million, and I don't no. think it would be more than a three-year deal. So... Something like that, I'd be I'd be interested in. Yeah, so th- I told you the cap hit, but in real money, he made 1.2 last year, 1.5 this year. So you think even $2 million would be a hefty raise considering his offensive production has dipped drastically, almost yeah. half. And of course, we disclaimer that by saying he's not a second-line center, and I don't think ever will be. He might be the first to tell you that, but in in the right situation, he can certainly have success. And you can't undermine the fact that he wears a letter on this team too. Exactly. He's a leader in the room, yep. and it would certainly just like the kick in the nuts when uh, when Duchesne said that Zach Smith was put on waivers. I think if Nick Paul, who's a very liked man in that locker room, yep. if he was to not be brought back, that would certainly send shockwaves. And I don't think the proper message to send to a building. Team. All right, so those are all the forward UFAs. On defense, there's only one, and that is – or sorry, there's two, but one is still an injured reserve, so I had to scroll down a little bit here. Nick Holden, $1.7 million this past year. What do you do? I would like to keep him personally, um, but I think so many teams at the deadline are looking for a Nick Holden type just to be a seventh defenseman just in case something happens. So I think his value is just too good to pass up on. If uh, if he's being traded, but look at what Ottawa got from those types of players. And not saying he's in the same category, but Erica Branson and yep. Braden Coburn both fetch seventh round picks. So yep. it's, it's kind of like whatever. That's fair, yeah. But I don't, I don't think he probably wouldn't resign. Right, a guy in his late thirties. The last thing you want to do is be uh, in in a market where you're you're losing often. It's cold. The taxes aren't great. So I could see him just going down to. Uh, to Florida or, or some team like that to, you to think ride he's off into bothered the by, by the cold. This guy's from St. Albert, Alberta. 
don't, <laughs> I don't think he's got any issue with that. I mean, fair, fair. <laughs> he, he is coming from Vegas, which uh, is a little different than Ottawa, that's for sure. But I just don't, I don't see him being like, this is where I want to finish my career. So I don't, I don't think he would stay. But uh, like you said, at most, at most, you're getting a fifth round pick for him. So yeah, that. I don't know what to do with Holden there, but I do like him. And I think he's a guy that um, has been a good veteran defenseman. And I think guys in the room like him as well. So I don't think we have to spend much on this final UFA, Josh Brown uh, finishing, scratching the surface as Pierre Dorian said, when he acquired him last, uh, I guess two years ago now, technically uh, 1.2 million on the cap this past year. Yeah. I think, I don't even think anyone's really going to trade for him. I think you probably just ride, ride that contract out and uh, conditional seventh. Yeah. 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 Exact future considerations. Yeah. Yeah. No question. That's not to be hard on him. It's just, it hasn't worked out here. I, I don't think he scored a goal yet in Ottawa. He's, he's working on the Bill McCult record, which is uh, tough to do. Yeah. No goals in 39 games so far. So he still has almost twice as long to go, but which I don't think he'll get to, to get to Bill McCult's infamous record without scoring a goal all right pilsy so the ottawa senators we went through their ufas we'll go through quickly their rfas before finishing off on a bit of a lighter note but before we get to all that pilsy let's uh let's get to the goalies because there is one more ufa and it's anton forsberg and i wanted to start this conversation with him because I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, in, it seems like a perfect trade candidate, but he's been so much better than the other two goalies in this past couple months. I, I need to take a step back because we've seen this mistake made before. Yeah. But the, the mistake made on which end are you talking about? If they keep him that yes. mistake. Yeah. Yes. The, th- the classic three-year contract a la Condon, a la Hammond, and it just didn't work out. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think you got to trade him. His, his value is going to be at an all-time high. You never know with injuries. Uh, you could get a fifth. Yeah, No, I think you could get more for Forsberg, you honestly. Think? Yeah. Teams teams are... Uh, like, I'm circling Colorado. That's exactly where I was going with this, Ross. Think about Colorado, a team that has had their seasons die on them because they didn't have... And it feels weird to say, but they didn't have a good third-string goalie. They're their uh, top guy gets injured, their backup's injured, and they're left calling Andrew Hammond to see if he could play for them. Or uh, other... Michael Hutchinson. Yeah, exactly. Other goalies that are literally castaways, and uh, they're relying on them to win playoff series. So I think you'd be much more inclined to get a guy like Anton Forsberg. And Ross, the key to Anton Forsberg is he makes less than $1 million, so he can be a taxi squad goalie, which I think sure. adds a lot more value to uh, his his trade uh, piece here. So And Ottawa, like you need to get Gus playing, and you should get your $6 million goalie playing as well, too. They're so, both the first priority. <laughs> yes, top priority. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's, that's the thing, right? Like Forsberg's place here is, is the writing's on the wall, and I think it'd be better for him, too, to move on. So I think definitely he's a guy you trade at the deadline. All right. And in terms of the other goalies there, we know Matt Murray, two years left, 6.25. But Philip Gustafson still has one year left after this one at one 700. Way deal too. One way, yes. Yep. So that does complicate things a little bit. He is arbitration eligible after that, certainly he needs to get some more opportunity and we'll see mm-hmm. where he's at because he finished last year on fire. And then this year, 
right back down to earth after a strong start, but the last few ones have not gone his way. All right, let's move up to the decor. Two RFAs on the back end, one with arbitration rights, and he had these rights last year, and it's Victor Mete. He signed ultimately a $1.2 million contract. He avoided arbitration though, right? They signed, I think, like the day before. Yeah, I, I if I remember correctly, I think they avoided it. Yes. So for me, he's a trade candidate at the deadline. If you can move on from him and give Eric Branstrom that same ice time that he was getting, of course, assuming everyone can stay healthy or off the COVID protocol list. By the way, just an aside, once you test positive and come off the COVID list, you don't have to test for 90 days. So that's an interesting note. So you wonder now that all these guys are back, if they could go on a bit of a run now that there's going to be continuity in terms of the guys not coming in and out of the lineup because it feels like the whole team's had it in the last 90 days. But that's just a little aside there. Just to add to that though, Ross, that's not uh, that doesn't necessarily give me like we're in the clear because think of the guys that haven't had it yet. Kachuk, Stutzla. And, and, yeah. If you lose both those guys... You're like, that's just as bad, right? And so, Zub. And, Zub. And, and Zub, yes, I knew there was one more. Yeah, exactly. So there's still Fair. some uh, some danger here. We're, we're not quite in the clear. But um, yeah, and, and uh, with Victor Mete, that's an interesting one for me because, again, I, I'm not really too concerned one way or another. Part of me thinks they could just keep him just because they're able to keep him at arbitration and they're able to keep him at a low salary. And he he's a nice seventh D guy to have, right? Like young decent skater can move the puck you can plug him in and play him for uh i don't know like 30 games in a season kind of thing and you're not too worried about it so i actually wouldn't be that shocked if they kept him just because again what's the return going to be for victor mate i'm not really sure i don't even care because yeah, what i what fair. we saw like earlier this season like what we saw last year that was awesome in those 14 games yeah. since he came over from the deadline but this year like I would argue he's been as bad, if not worse, than Josh Brown. Like in the in the D zone, it's been a complete mess. Yeah, that's fair. I just think since they they have the leverage here and can keep him at a cheap deal, they might go ahead and do that. Well, we said there's no chance he gets over a million, and then he signed for one point two. So I kind of figured he would get around a million, just just because the experience he had at that age, I think, could warrant it. But uh, yeah, it's not going to be more than one point five. There's no yeah. way. Yeah, he's so. 23 years old and already has 220 NHL games under his belt. Uh, the other guy with not nearly as much experience, but also 22. Yeah, he's 22 years old is Eric Brandstrom. Very polarizing. Yes. And for me, I'm taking a wait and see approach with him. I know that we said we wouldn't, but with Eric Brandstrom, I think the injuries and the COVID situation he went through last year at the start of the season. So he really didn't get off on the right foot. Um, I think that gives me pause and I just need to see him play more honestly yeah and I'm in the same boat as you but uh if if we're predicting what what we think will happen versus what we want then they're two very different answers for me I've kind of done what I think will happen here and I don't it pains me to say it but I don't see Eric Branstrom as a part of this team's future it just as long as DJ Smith is the coach I just I don't see it as long as Jake Sanderson is coming in this season and is going to be a top four defenseman on the left side, I don't see it. And the the value, like Eric Branstrom is losing value at a steady rate, if you ask me, uh, around the league. Like they sh- they really kind of, he would have been at an all-time high value maybe last season. But I think at this point, it's going to be tough to fetch what you think is appropriate for him. But I just don't see him in the plans for this team's future. So 
I think I have them using him as a trade piece in a package to acquire a top six sniper. Okay, that's on great. the wing. On the wing. All right. Well, for for me, I, I'm very happy to see that DJ Smith, at least at practice yesterday, used Branstrom on the right side where he's more comfortable. This is a. Uh, but I feel like that's been done out of default, right? Sure. Because what options do you have, right? So I think. I'm not looking at that as a show of faith from Smith to Branstrom. I just, every single time DJ Smith is asked about Branstrom, he's very short and very blunt. Whereas like uh, Gannett, they asked him about Gannett and he gave like a good couple sentences and talked about how he's on the radar now and he looked good. This is a guy that only practiced a couple times with them versus Branstrom. You can't get a word out of him about Branstrom. So I just think DJ Smith is very disinterested in Branstrom and I like, I don't see a spot for him unless he's playing on the right side. And so we haven't seen enough of that. And we know DJ Smith isn't fully confident in that. So I think they're, they're going to have to move on from him. If you ask me, I don't want that. I'm in a wait and see camp as well with you, but I don't think it happens. All right, let's move on to the forwards. Let's quickly rifle through these because we've got a couple of notes here before we wrap up a Thursday edition of locked on senders. Again, we appreciate everyone for listening despite the lack of on ice action for the senders, but it will come fast and furious as this road trip that is still scheduled is uh, coming up in a hurry in Vancouver, then Calgary, Edmonton, and Winnipeg. Next week, we have a couple Vancouver natives on the show as well. We'll catch up with Angus Crookshank, one of our favorite interviews to date, Crooker. and ask if he's back on the ice. Of course, he suffered that brutal knee injury in the rookie tournament, so we'll get up, ca- caught up with Crooker, and then Carson Latimer. Seems like an absolute beauty from when we've chatted with him. We're going to have him on the show next week as well. But getting back to the forward RFAs, uh, I'm going to rifle through the list, and then we'll go through one by one quickly. Dylan Gambrell, Adam Gaudet, both with arbitration rights, as does Clark Bishop, and no arb rights, the two most important ones, no doubt, Josh Norris and Alex Formanton. Dylan Gambrell, you see enough to keep him? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think... Every team needs a shutdown center, and Gambrell is that guy in the bottom six. I think he's – it took him some time, but I think he's found his place, and I think he's a great guy to have as your fourth-line center. So, absolutely, I'm keeping him. How about Adam Goddard? I mean, you hate to cut a guy from the best opportunity of his career, but, yeah, it's it's not working out here, and – He's still barking in the doghouse. The coach I don't think. just doesn't like him. Yeah, the coach doesn't like him. And, I mean, can you blame him? He's been, he's played two games and he's dash four. And uh, some of those goals were very obviously his fault and his doing. But he does have one goal on the power play. Um, but, yeah, no, I think uh, he's done. And I think if you're Adam Gaudet, you want to get out of here too. Yeah, how about the key to next year's playoff success, Clark Bishop? I think they probably keep him. Uh, it sounds yeah, like not? it sounds like Dorian's <laughs> obviously high on him and thinks he's an important part of this team. So I, I bet they keep him. All right, you always like to have your your new ratio a little bit higher. A couple of East Coast boys. So let's move yeah. to the guy with East Coast roots. Of course, he's an American, but his dad's a Noof, and that's Josh Norris. You, you think they should keep him? Yeah, I'm going to go keep here, right, Ross. Cool. Um, and I think uh, <laughs> like we we heard Dorian say like we can't give all these guys long term deals. Yeah. Try telling that to Newport uh, mm-hmm. agency. Josh Norris is going to get a long-term deal. Right now, there's five years in the future on Cap Friendly, and three Ottawa Senators have that nice red arrow where you have to extend yes. beyond that, and they better put one beside Josh Norris's name. Yep, agreed. Yep. 
Alex Formanton. This one to me is interesting. I mean, obviously it's a keep. Like you're not going to trade. Right. Him. But what kind of contract could he get? He's getting a bridge deal. Yes. He's going to be three. I, I, well, I always mix this up. So I, I can't answer right now. And I don't know what, where's, when does Formanton become an RFA? Uh, he, right now, but UFA. Or, uh, UFA. That's what I meant. Yeah. Four years. Okay. Yeah. I, I could see a three year, three year deal. Which is crazy because he's already played four seasons, but yeah. the first one he played one game, then nine games. So both of those slid down. Then he played 20, which was his first counting year. And then this year, of course, full-time NHLer. So yeah, still four years to go before he's a UFA. But you, uh, for me, it's a three-year contract. See where yeah. he's at. Give him like $2 million per, 2.2, something like that. I think it'll be a little more than two. I, I would yeah. uh, ring it in closer to 2.5. Somewhere between 2.5 and three, I think is fair. All right, but I just don't see the leverage he has. I guess that's where I'm at. Coming off his entry-level contract, he has 17 points. But I think his leverage can be, okay, you don't want to sign me? Who's going to be your top six (laughs) forwards? Like, who's going to be on that second line? Well, for me, you have to get two guys for the second line. And I think this is a good transition into what this team could look like going forward, what holes they need to fill, especially. Think about it. We just cut like seven or eight guys. So you have to fill spots. For me, the perfect third line going into next year is Formanton, Pinto, and Connor Brown. But that leaves two-thirds of your second line (laughs) on the third line. Two top six wingers? Yeah, good luck acquiring that. And if you're Formanton, you're like, all right, I'll take my Connor McDavid-esque speed somewhere else. I mean, he's an RFA, (laughs) so he can't. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, that, I I think Formanton has decent leverage. And I think anything under $3 million for a middle six winger is pretty solid. So I'd be okay with that. All right. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see how Dorian attacks this offseason because the owner flat out said they needed a top six forward. And instead of getting one, they got rid of one. In, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, say what you want if he's a top six forward anymore. I, I do think they sold at the right time with Evgeny Dadnov, but they certainly on paper did not add a top six forward last year. And I'd hazard they need two right now because you've got the top line set in stone. All good. Tim Stutzel, move to move to center. Great. Give me two wingers to play with them. I, I I would love that too, Ross, but I just think it's so hard to go out and acquire. Even if you get one through free agency, the the pieces you're going to have to use to get another one are, are, are pretty intense. And we've seen the free agency route. Like Guys that are available through free agency, usually it's for a reason. It's because their team has seen enough of them and been like, well, he's going to get overpaid somewhere. And that's kind of what we saw with Evgeny Dadnov. Like, I thought he was going to keep going and have a good season. There's a reason Florida decided to let two high 20 goal scorers like Hoffman and Dadnov, you can, you could pencil in 25 plus goals every season. They were there. There's a reason they just let them walk and we're seeing it with Hoffman's play and Dadnov's play now. Yeah. They, they got lucky that time because they've done it before when they got rid of Riley Smith and Jonathan Marsh or so. And that backfired in a hurry. Well, Dadnov and Hoffman essentially were their replacements. Yeah, true. Yeah. Funny. That's hilarious. And then they end up flipping those guys. So all in all to say this team needs more goal scoring, I think Mm -hmm. is, is a fair start. And that's why I think you need two wingers that can put in the puck in the net. And we've heard that from, from so many people, right? Like they they are scoring, but how much of the percentage is coming from the top line? You need to get some secondary scoring, which is good because before they didn't even have have any offense. So (laughs) at least now they figured that out and can use that going forward all right so tomorrow we'll get more into that because we did go a bit long with the rfa ufa but it was fun i enjoyed going through each player and having fun and if you liked it or 
want to hear something else, go comment on our YouTube page or shoot us a DM on Twitter at Send Central or on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. We've got a, a great conversation coming up tomorrow on an idea from a Send Central citizen in uh, Peter O'Neill, great guy. And I like, he, he's already got his mind on the draft. So we will start digging our teeth into the 2022 NHL draft, but we also have a ton more to get into previewing some games for sense prospects which has been a long time coming but pilsey unfortunately we're gonna have to wait for tyler boucher's debut now until next friday as this weekend's pair of 67's games were postponed yeah it's very unfortunate and like man if you're tyler boucher that's got to make you nervous right you got to start thinking crap did I maybe make a wrong decision here? Not no. because, not, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Not because going to the 67s is a bad idea. Not because playing junior won't complement his skills. But how many of these games are going to get postponed? And we've seen what happened to junior leagues last year. It can get out of hand real quick. So I think that's something that I feel very, uh, I, I feel for Tyler Boucher sitting there being like, crap, now I'm kind of stuck. Well, remember this. He's paper on according to paper transactions he is on the belleville senator so could we yeah, see him make the drive down to belleville and get a couple practices in in the meantime that's something we'll keep our eye on and maybe pierre dorian will enlighten us to that as it just came across the wire he will be joining tsn 1200 this morning so by the time you're listening to this that should be out we'll give our reaction on twitter at send central and then i'll ask pilsy what he thinks about it on tomorrow's show. But for today, we say goodbye for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senator Podcast, your team every day.